Hey everybody, Jared Syke Lawrence here yet again, episode 12 of the Modern Flirting Podcast. I am joined with the lovely Jamie Stafford. And of course, uh, this episode is going to be featuring the one and only Johnny Soporno. Johnny Soporno is a, you know, main, main character uh, that, and guru and life coach and dating coach. And he has every title I've, I've comes to mind. Uh, he owns successfulness. Dot com. I, I knew it as Successfulness Institute. Uh, I'll let him explain, you know, all that. But this is a guy who's been around when I was still learning this, when I was new and upcoming and trying to figure out what's right, what's wrong, how flirting works, you know, what women are. Uh, this was a guy who already had everything all figured out. And he's definitely, definitely one of the OGs. It is so exciting to have him here on the podcast. Thank you, Johnny. That's a delight to be here. I'm, I'm as I was just saying, I'm super proud to have been a contributor in some small way to your development. It's great to see your successes. Uh, it's delightful to meet Jamie on, online here for the first time. And I look forward to uh, uh, chatting about whatever comes to mind. So for those who don't know, you know, we don't have to go into the whole like history because your history is, I mean, it goes <laughs> spans decades, right? Uh, how did you get into the, like, when did you start meeting all the dating coaches and the pickup artists and all these characters? Like, how did you enter that world? Because you were in it before, like, the game came out. You were in this before, like, I, I thought I was, I got into it when it was kind of like a secret thing. You were in it before it was like, it was almost unsearchable. So how did you even discover this crazy world? Okay, um, that's a fun question and a good one. I haven't really talked about this much in a long time. Before, uh, before Strauss's book, before the game, I had been a management consultant for many years. And as a management consultant, I found myself traveling around the world, helping business execs uh, at, at fairly large and substantial businesses, doing large-scale corporate structuring for um, increasing internet and network availability and uh, most of my clients were cable companies or phone companies, national uh, infrastructure companies. So you come a long way, very different. <laughs> well, it's interesting. In those days, I was usually solving what I used to consider was the same puzzle again and again for a lot of different companies who ultimately would come to the same conclusions. And so while it was a, a very rewarding economically gig, it wasn't necessarily a whole lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, most of my clients uh, would, would come to me because there were only a small handful of clients. Uh, this is all before 2000, before internet really became a huge thing. I go back to before World Wide Web was well established. Pre-internet, this is amazing. Well, internet was there, but, but let me put it this way. In my early days of internet, if I wanted to send an email to Australia, uh, I would send it and it would be copied from computer to computer over about three days and would be received at the University of Sydney, for example, and someone would then so receive it. How did you, who did you find? Did you meet, like, I'm, I'm thinking like back then was who, like Ross Jeffries? Was there anybody else that was even doing this back then? Like, so, so okay, let me do the, the 90 second run through. This is kind of fun for me. I would be working for, um, let's say, the national phone company in Brazil, or the national cable company that was uh, that had the rights to run uh, cable and wireless into Bermuda or into 
something in India, okay? And I would be there dealing with Fortune 500 or Fortune 100 company execs. And because I didn't have a wife at home or children at home, they would book me to travel to their nation for a board meeting or whatever. And I would take advantage of the fact that if you would fly over a Saturday night, the airline ticketing would be differently fared. The fares would be different. But if you were flying in on a Monday and out on a Thursday, they would say, okay, this is a business class trip. So we can afford to charge them $13,000 for his flight, which of course the client would pay for. So since I didn't have to be back home with my family or whichever, I would schedule my trip to fly out on Friday night, for example, so that I would be over a Saturday night. And I would end up using my frequent flyer points to upgrade myself. And so they would send me $13,000 to cover my flight and $4,000 to cover my accommodations. Nice. And I would pay 3000 bucks for my flight. And the rest would go into giving me a few extra days to make each week a vacation. So I would have several days on either side as bumpers, during which time I would have a luxurious place to stay and a rental car and lots of money of extra beyond what I was being paid as a consultant. And so whenever possible, if I had met someone cool nearby, you know, someone also in Europe or also in Asia, I would make, arrange to have them fly out at my expense to come and spend time with me or whichever. And whenever I would travel, I discovered the most fabulous thing. As a man, when you're out of town, far away from home, and you're not in a place where your local sports team has any meaning, okay? Uh, I wasn't really able to talk about local football as opposed to North American football. Uh, you know, I wasn't gonna be able to talk about cricket or whatever. So meeting new male friends overseas in different cities was very challenging. But it was really easy to meet women. Okay? Because women, you could always talk about things that were interesting to women wherever you were. And so I discovered to my great surprise that as I traveled, I could make new friends beautiful women, the women I was interested in, have great conversations with them, get to know them as people, and end up in bed with them. And in fact, when they would tell me that was incredible, that was the best I've ever had or whatever, I'd say, great, I'm so happy, but don't tell me, tell your girlfriend. And so pretty soon, I was finding myself quite popular amongst locals all over the place. And after business meetings with my clients, you know, vice presidents or whatever, of technology or infrastructure or whatever, in the evenings they would say, you know, well, what are you doing tonight? You want to come out for dinner? I said, well, I've actually got a date. I'm meet up with someone. Sometimes they would meet the girls that I was working up with and they would go, how the hell can you, fat, furry, balding Johnny, because I've looked exactly the same way for about 30 years. Fact, I've, I can vouch for that. I've looked the same. Just the only thing that's changed is the... I would say less, you know, you probably have a uh, less gray with the, with the beard, a little bit, a little bit more gray now, but for the most yeah, the part, the gray's same. nice. The gray's nice. A little song pep never okay. hurt anybody. Ironic. My father used to tell me, don't pluck out the gray hairs, son. They're the ones that last. And if I'd only listened to him earlier, I'd still have so much more hair. <laughs> but uh, at least I've got a full head of hair on my shoulders. I can always comb it over and eventually I expect I'll need to. Um, so what happened with me was, I found my clients who were usually in their uh, early 40s would come to me and say, how the hell are you pulling these beautiful model 
women and starting ongoing relationships, having been here for a day or two, where it's obvious that you are not any of the you know, super powerful things that I am, for example, look, I just got- You're not red pill. I think now they're calling, actually we have a, we have a interview with a guy who's a leader in the red pill movement who says it's all about looks and status and, you know- Yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to meet him. I would Um, love to meet him. Well, you're going to, Jamie, we're going to meet him, so. So obviously that, that didn't hinder you at all. I weighed as much as John Candy. Do you remember John Candy, the actor? He, he was dating yourself. Uh, okay, I'm old. Uh, I date lots of people. Um, okay, I, I was like... Uh, um, I oh, was, he's, a, he's a king of sound bites, by the way. He's oh, like, one thing I got from Johnny is he always has a sound bite, and he's really great with frame control. My reality television background is like, oh my God, we have to get this guy on. Anyway, sorry, continue. Funny, I'll tell you a funny story about that in a second. Related, but I used to weigh 350 pounds. Oh my gosh. Now I weigh about 250 pounds. When I weighed 350 pounds, I still did better than most of my professional rock star friends did at meeting and connecting with women and maintaining ongoing fun relationships. And it was fabulous. And everyone I knew in the various sectors in which I've existed, which include amongst others, the adult entertainment sector, because while working through the internet over decades, One of the biggest areas for almost all of my clients was how do you get greater, pardon the pun, penetration into the home market with internet. If you're a phone company or cable company, you want to be able to provide this new value-added service and you want to be able to provide it so that you can compete between the phone companies and the cable companies with providing this data service into people's homes. And of course, just like videotape machines uh, got into people's homes because of porn, and Disney succeeded because daddy bought a VCR so he could watch porn at home, either with his wife or on his own. And ultimately the VCR got used so that they could watch Disney movies over and over and over and over and over again with their kids to keep them busy so the parents could have something to do with their own time. Um, In the same way, porn has pulled the internet into people's homes, okay? So I worked with an awful lot of large scale porn companies, basically everyone you've ever heard of. I have worked as a management consultant for their management stack, helping them to integrate and, and bring their business into a market. And over the last 30 years, porn has uh, been eaten by its mother, meaning the internet has now been born and the internet has now taken over porn. There are no longer production companies making much in terms of video content on recorded, pre-recorded media. You don't have VHS cartridges being sold. You don't even have magazines for the most part. It's almost all immediate instant delivery over internet. Content is king. And basically nobody's making money in the actual generation of porn. Almost everyone who makes money is making money in the distribution of porn for free to end users. And it's the sale of those end users' eyes to the advertisers that make the porn industry continue. So over many, many years, I became uh, more and more ingratiated with a lot of very high level execs, most of whom had been married to what I like to call the first runner up, not the girl they were crazy about, not the partner they ultimately wanted, but the partner they had been with 
when the person they were crazy about, their first true love, the one they'd had to push off saying, when, they, when she said, look, if you aren't gonna marry me and make babies with me, I'm gonna move on. On the guy was, look, I, I'd love to- The guys were like know, settled essentially. They, well, the guys wouldn't give up their freedom at the time. And then five or 10 years later, the person that they were still carrying a torch for, their original love, gets married or announces she's having a baby or something, and then they panic. <gasps> oh no, what I missed out on. And so they get married to the person they're dating at the time. And the person they're dating at the time is their first runner-up. Okay? Not their first choice, but someone else who would fill the bill. So they get engaged. That person goes, oh my goodness, I'm finally getting what I've always wanted. I'm getting to have a wedding. Because overwhelmingly, women don't actually want to be wives, but they do want to get married. Okay, in other words, they don't want to be married, but they want to get married because once they get married, they've demonstrated to the world that they are exactly the way they were supposed to be, and now they're complete, now they can be free, while the men, for the most part, sacrifice a lot of what they consider to be their freedom and their liberty to get the approval from society of being able to find someone to marry them. Okay, so it's a trade-off for women and men, usually when they commit they're all starting out from a very broken premise. Okay, you talked about frame control. Let's have some fun with this. Okay, the standard model of relationships begins with this. You understand this, Jared, I know. Jamie, I can see from your excitement, you're gonna be right on board with this. But the usual standard relationship model says, I will grant myself exclusively to you. In exchange for which, you will grant yourself exclusively to me. This is the standard monogamy baseline, right? And because we each grant ourselves to the other, we form a union, okay? Marriage is often described as a union, okay? And what is a union? A union is an organism that is more important than its constituent members, okay? The life of the union is more important than the people who are part of the union, and in this union, it exists, as all unions ultimately do, to protect poorer performers from the hazard of competition from better ones. Okay? Take a moment and think about what unions ultimately do. They protect poorer performers from the hazard of competition from better ones. Okay? So what happens invariably, everyone wants to start a relationship. They want this marriage, this union in their mind because they've been told it was so important and wonderful. And then as time goes by, they discover, hold on a second, I got into this because I really wanted this, and I got into this with this person under these terms. I grant myself to you, you grant yourself to me, and we'll be happy forever. And neither of us will ever feel, get this, taken for granted. Because that's the death knell for modern relationships and all relationships. When one or the other side begins to feel taken for granted. Does that seem right? Mm -hmm. When either side, sure Jamie, how Jamie views this at the end, I want to get her like counter sure. thoughts, or if she, if she, I want to make sure I'm understanding this. Where is the taking for granted part coming? Okay. I'll tell you. If I were to, let's let's put it in the simplest way. If I offer myself to you, and I say, I am going to stop scanning the world for other options. You no longer have any competition. I'm expecting you to continue doing your best to be my best option, and I'm going to consider myself your best option, 
because you think I'm your best option, and we're going to settle into this. Okay? Mm -hmm. The standard model. From this point on, it's essentially, I've said, well, what's your very favorite food? Let's try this out. What's your very favorite food, Jamie? King crab legs. Okay. So I have some great news for you. I make the best king crab legs you've ever had. I get them directly from, from Alaska. I know how to make them in 20 different varieties. I make the best king crab legs you've ever had. People go crazy with my crab legs. And here's the deal. I'm never going to make crab, crab legs for anyone else, ever. Okay? In exchange for which, you can have crab legs as often as you like. For breakfast, lunch, dinner, midnight snack, afternoon, anytime you want, anytime. I will make you crab legs. I'll make them the best you've ever had in a dozen different preparations. Okay? Right. Crab legs ragu, crab sure. legs steamed, crab legs boiled, crab legs roasted. Okay? But you must, in exchange for this, never have anything, and I mean any, except the crab legs I make for you from now on. Right. Okay. Now, Your favorite breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Right, every meal. Now, how long will it be of your having crab legs for every single meal before it's no longer something enthusiastically uh, appreciated, something you wish, it's just food? Right, okay? how, what's the average marriage length? <laughs> uh, right, let's, let's abbreviate this some more, because I mean, a full marriage is not anywhere near as simple as a single dimensional thing like this food, yeah, but yeah. Mm -hmm. after a little while, I keep doing my very best to ensure that you're really excited about what it is I'm providing. Mm -hmm. But no matter how much better I get at making crab legs, there's going to be a point yeah. where you cannot be more happy with crab legs. And in fact, you become less and less happy with crab legs because it's just not a big enough portion of the world. Right. So the rest of that story, after a while, I feel taken for granted because no matter how much extra effort I put in, you're never satisfied or delighted the way you used to be by the crab legs. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, every meal is crab legs, and though you're trying your best to be appreciative and attentive and want them, your interest wanes, okay? So I feel taken for granted. I feel underappreciated. I lose my inspiration to even bother. After a while, I cook crab legs because that's what you're gonna eat. And it doesn't matter whether I'm trying, okay? I could mail this in, right? And in the meantime, whatever it is that you have been offering for me that works out the same in reverse, I've also become disenthusiastic about because you also lose your enthusiasm about trying harder and doing better when you know you have no competition. Okay, when you know that I'm going to take what you give me, okay, and I'm only going to give you what you're expecting. So after not very long with no competition in a monopolistic environment, it becomes impossible not to take for granted and to feel taken for granted by anyone who is granted to you or to whom you are granted. In fact, it's right there on the fucking label, okay? This marriage will end if either begin to feel taken for granted. Meanwhile, this marriage involves you're granting yourself to them and they're granting yourself to you. So within this exclusive monopolistic monogamy, okay, the one thing that is sure to make it unravel is right there on the label as the instructions. Right. And we ignore this. Okay. Right. I, well, I, sorry. Oh, I, go ahead. I, I think that, I think that the, if food being metaphor of other partners, I'm assuming is what we're- sure. Or anything, but yes, let's, let's start with other partners. 
Right. So as far as that goes, I feel like the, the main issue, like, like you and I are actually probably cut from the same cloth when it comes to this. Um, because I actually, we all are. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I reading like, I've read like Sex at Dawn. I read Sperm Wars. I read all of these books about, you know, the invention of monogamy and like why it, why it became what it did and how it has shifted throughout time. Because originally marriage wasn't even really about love. That only came after like Christianity, but it really started with farms. Once we started doing agriculture, they joined the two families. So then it, it was all about survival. It was a way to connect those two families. And then once we were able to facilitate larger and larger populations, and it wasn't so much about survival anymore, that's when Christianity came in and kind of put a label on it. And was like, okay, this is love. Like now it's all, you know, under God, and it's all about reproduction and all of these things. And then it kind of like became this Disney once that like, they're talking about like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Once your food, shelter and water kind of became solidified, then it's this like self-righteousness of marriage. And it, it became what I like to call almost like a, a Disney, Walt Disney version of what marriage is, where it's just like this love and they live happily ever after, but they never actually show what happily ever after looks like. And therefore it's kind of up to us to create this fantasy because that's what it is. Um, and yeah, and to live and up Disney. to it. Porn and Disney have led to the greatest dissatisfaction of people worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the women are all Where's my princess? So, wait, so Jamie, if I'm hearing you correctly, then you don't. Where's my so, insatiable horror? So Jamie, you're you're over uh, monogamy then? You're, you've seen the light, and well, it's like there's a there's a few caveats. So so in this, so this is to be realistic, right? Because because I like to live in the real world. Because I would it would take years and years and years of convincing an entire population. Listen, everything that you've constructed that is marriage over your entire life is wrong. And monogamy. Because also I do come. Side note, I do come from very few, I would say the, definitely the exception. My parents are still married and happily. It's very rare. And it's the only reason why I still don't want to totally poo-poo monogamy because it is possible. But I do think it's the very, very vast minority and therefore needs to be treated as such. It is the minority. I'm 30. I'm single because I, I, I've, I've had opportunities to get married to my boyfriends, but I knew deep down inside, I listened to that gut feeling. This is going to be a divorce in five, 10, 15 years. I'm sure. So, wait, so, so, so let's, yeah. so let's, for the guys who are listening, let's get some, like drop some value bombs on here. Maybe we can even do like a fun role play or whatnot. Cause I could see it happening where guys are, dating a girl and then the, the conversation always you know eventually comes up the what are we talk right, right? like we're, we're they're dating uh they're maybe for a few where months is this now relationship going yeah where is this going would... what are we are you seeing other girls right so so, so for the, in these situations johnny what um what should a guy do let's say he wants an open relationship when should he bring it up does he wait for that talk to happen how do you structure that kind of talk and could we see like maybe like a role because that's what Jamie does from on flirting. She's a she's a drill leader. Can we do like maybe like a role play of it to see how it might go down? Okay, so let's let me just move some of this around so I can see you both better because I'm I've moved across these three screens to to. Uh, we gotta do that more, Jamie. We should do like some role plays when we have guests on. We can all sorts. Of, I, I I'd be happy to come back a lot if you guys are interested in what I've got to share. But for, for the sure. moment, for the uh, moment, what I really. 
while he's getting it ready, I mean, I've actually had these conversations with men mm -hmm. and I've actually found as a woman, usually I'm the one kind of planting that seed of like, Hey, like, how would you feel about this? I, I find it's very hard in the, when I was saying like in realistic terms, because you either get one of two things you get either the guy who's way too eager to be polyamorous, doesn't really understand the, the, the validity of having that primary partner and really just wants to fuck <clears throat> everyone. So he's like, yes, let's do it. And then he doesn't actually see me as a primary or the second uh, thing that has happened to me is the guy says that he's open to it. And then once we get there he and he sees, and he sees me like, Hey, I'm going to be out late tonight, not coming home, you know, like very communicative still right. the realization that I am actually going out and doing these things. Then all of a sudden he's not into interested anymore. So it's been a very tough thing as a woman. Cause like, you know, every guy's like, Oh my God, you're the perfect girl. Like you want to be, and it's like, well, no, no, no. Like it's actually, it's a lot more. I feel like monogamy and polyamory are just as challenging. It's just two different sides of the, of the pie. And maybe Johnny, you can, you can steer. Well, that's a problem that guys might have, but when a girl is thinking like the Disney world of, you know, I want a monogamous relationship. That's what she knows. She doesn't want the guy going out, getting with other girls. She doesn't, she's, she doesn't want to go with other guys. Well, how should guys start structuring this kind of conversation, Johnny? Okay. I have to tell you, I'm, I'm super thrilled. I've got, I'm, I'm ear to ear with smiling. I don't know whether you guys are seeing this. Uh, I'm, I'm giggling hysterically because this is the stuff that I've been sharing with people for the last 30 years or so. And I've been sharing it on a pretty much full-time basis. And it's been the formulation of my career. I moved from primarily doing management consulting over not very long to primarily doing lifestyle coaching and philosophy reframing for people because the execs at the large companies who had fallen into the trap, as I say, of marrying the person who was right there when their first love suddenly went off the market, um, <clears throat> they all misunderstand. They don't understand how to communicate. They don't understand flirting. They don't even realize what flirting is about, nor do they understand that it's all right to be flirty. They don't recognize that the most erotically interesting thing a man can be is playfully confident and enjoying himself. Playfully confident is a great way of putting it. Okay. So, um, so let me just say, Back in 2006, I recorded a seminar, which I held in front of about 100 Toronto area wannabe pickup artists. Okay? And I've always had a lot of contempt for the term pickup artist. Same. Because, uh, because to me, a pickup artist is semantically equivalent to a con artist, only in the domain of the sexual predator. Okay? So, um, to me, a Pickup artist is a person who's prepared to present himself as being what he believes his, his mark is going to want in exchange for getting from her what it is he believes she has of value to him without actually needing to provide to her any of the things that she imagines she would like in order to make that available. So he's a con artist. Mm -hmm. okay. Now, I've always recognized that, and in fact, I've codified this in a very tight little thing, but before I get into that, because I'm gonna share some stuff with you guys, hopefully I'm gonna get complete buy-in from both of you because I'm pretty sure 
after all these years that I've, I've figured it out to a tight little package. But before I go there, let me come back to your last question. Back in 2006 and 2007, I recorded a couple of things I refer to as seductive reasoning. Okay, seductive reasoning as opposed to inductive reasoning or deductive reasoning sure. was, was designed <clears throat> to help people recognize the ways we have in fact eluded ourselves. We've, we've accepted irrational suppositions and ignored the elephant in the room, which was that none of the rules under which we operate our lives actually play out to provide us with happy, fulfilled existences. Okay? And it, it's kind of funny, seduction, like flirting, is tremendously poorly understood. You see, seduction is the art of making a person feel confidently comfortable with going ahead and doing what they wanted to do already. Okay? You don't seduce someone into doing something that they don't want to do. Okay? You seduce them into doing what they've always wanted to do by giving them the opportunity to do it without the threat of its costing them the opportunity to have. So marriage is a very interesting word. It would not exist had we not a need for the word. Okay? What I mean by that is if the notion did not exist that a woman would have the transfer of responsibility for her switched from her family, nominally her father, to her new sponsor and security provider, her husband. And by the way, the word husband is essentially the same as the word owner in most languages. In English, we have a distinct distinction, but husband and owner are the same. In fact, a person in, in English who owns a, you know, cows practices animal husbandry. Okay? The ownership is what it is to be a husband. Now, the idea of marriage begins with the idea that responsibility for a woman needs to be held by someone because the woman is not supposed to be responsible for herself. She is supposed to be a beloved pet who is always infantilized and never responsible for her actions. And in fact, if she fucks up, daddy or hubby is supposed to pick up the pieces and repair things. She drives her car into a bus full of nuns. His insurance is going to pay for it. Okay? He's always responsible for every action she takes. Historically, the world has changed in the past hundred years or so. Women have become identified as independent, discrete individuals. And that's absolutely wonderful. Although in a large part, our society has forgotten to teach women that with authority comes responsibility. Okay? And responsibility and authority can never be hived apart. There's no such thing as authority without responsibility. No matter how much I'd like that to be my lifestyle motto, <laughs> you don't get to have authority without responsibility. Okay? So coming back on this, we came up with this idea of marriage as the transfer of responsibility for a woman between the original responsible party and the new responsible party. Hmm. And if we did not have a word for it, because the word marriage, in, in Hebrew we have a ketubah, which is basically the transfer of ownership document. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, uh, we've always had this suggestion that a man looks at a woman like he does a chunk of fertile land that he is defending, tending, walking out to, watering, and watching the, the produce 
as he tends to, cares for, and observes this chunk of land. Before agricultural revolutions, as you said, Jamie, before we had farming, almost certainly men and women got together for sex for entertainment purposes because they had no concept of have sex today, wait 270 sleeps, generate a baby, okay? Until we had animal husbandry, until we had ranching, we didn't recognize that doing sex created children. Are you sure about that? I feel oh, like that would uh, Absolutely, a... as a species. I thought we might have figured that out in like caveman times. No, 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 yeah, sure, well, sure. What we figured out long ago was that women became great with child at some point. They had babies because they were having I, I, do wanna, I do wanna go, I feel like we took a tangent going into like the, the history of sexual sure. awakening and, and marriage. Okay. I, I, to, to the I, guy I, listening, <laughs> to the guy, let's say right now, he's talking with a girl, he's listening. What do you have to say to him directly of what he can do, any techniques or type of conversations he can have to start trying okay. to form a right. relationship? Really, all right. Rather than go to the evolutionary psychology of this, I'm going to suggest you, to your audience, if you've got a few minutes, it's actually about six hours, but if you've got a few minutes, go and grab for free my seminars, SR101 and SR102, which are the seductive reasoning seminars, which you can find at johnnysuporno.com. You'll find links to it, successfulness.com, uh, or you can find it at uh, seductivereasoning.com because I'm old, old, old guard in the internet. I have all these domains <laughs> going back from the beginning. So um, you can find some free lectures which will help break paradigms that almost certainly everyone has held for a very long time about the nature of ownership of women by men, about the nature of why women are supposed to feel badly about themselves for doing things that are natural, okay? <laughs> why people are not supposed to do the things that they wish to do because we have built this huge construction around the idea of monogamy. In fact, if humans in nature were monogamous, met their partner, hooked up, and stayed that way for else throughout their lives, we would have no such word as marriage. It would never have needed to exist. We'd just do it. Marriage only exists as a construction because we needed it in order to be able to have someone who would take responsibility for this woman once she became pregnant and therefore would take responsibility for her children. So, so when, stepping when, back. When they right? learn, is, are, they, are they teaching this history to the girls when they have this conversation? Are you suggesting that they like go through the history of marriage and how this was formed and all that to show the girl that she's in these like mental shackles? Or I mean, what's the... Is that necessary? Absolutely not. Is it possible? Actually, it's a great conversation to have. It's very empowering to both mm. the women who get to hear this and the men who get to explain it. Because the women, invariably, the questions I'm asked by women throughout my, my life and sexual career have almost always been the same questions. I get asked them all the time. The three questions I'm asked. The first one is, why aren't more men like you? And the answer, that's always the same. I'm working on it. <laughs> it's my life's goal. Help liberate the minds of men so that they can manumit women, in other words, emancipate them, free them from, from bondage to a society that doesn't like them much. Okay? I call the people who come and work with me manumissionaries. They show up, I help them 
to become so comfortable in the idea of women's sexual liberation that they cannot help but help both men and women to see the error of our society's ways. You, you are commenting, Jamie, about how huge an undertaking it is. Well, here's the funny thing, the, the sticky tickler, the funny bit. I have spent the majority of my lifetime helping empower people to make their own decisions for themselves. And therefore, two things have happened. One, I've gotten laid like a rock star everywhere I go. And two, everyone I work with starts getting laid like a rock star everywhere they go because they keep introducing people to the idea, hey, I can like myself and I'm going to, and I do. And here's why I'm not ashamed of it. And here's why you mustn't be ashamed of it either for yourself. And then the people whom they affect go, holy shit, this guy gets it. He understands. Or what he's saying makes perfect sense to me. And now I get it. But where in the world would I find someone with whom I would be able to do these things that make sense to me and feel good to me and are right without my feeling they're going to judge me or condemn me? <gasps> well, this guy gets it. <laughs> he got it before I met him. Right? So what ends up happening is everyone who becomes a manumissionary, everyone who starts manumitting people around them, freeing them, discovers that they, now that they've become freed, appreciate the fuck out of them and often end up in bed with them. Now, that's not a justification for doing it. Doing it is because you feel great about yourself knowing you're positively affecting everyone around you. The reward of doing that is people start appreciating you for who you are, and then how you look doesn't matter, how rich you are doesn't matter, what you can do for them doesn't matter. Just the fact that you can connect with them as a real person, appreciating them as real people, makes you sexually exciting. So to answer your question, Okay. By the way, I don't know if you guys see me the way I see you, but I see you, Jamie, on the left, and I see you, Jared, on the right. So, um, so the, the question you asked, what can a man say? What are techniques and things like this? Well, I'm going to tell you both something, and Jamie, I'm really hoping to get your feedback on this, okay? Sure. But here's my model that I'm sharing with everyone universally, universally and I... And I uh, I know I'm sort of giving away the secret sauce, okay, for lack of a better term, but I'm doing it on purpose. Every feminine person, okay, whether they're a gay man or a straight woman, everyone who is fundamentally feminine is seeking a masculine affirmative counterpart, okay? Or think about this a yin-yang concept. The more masculine you are, the more you're aroused by and attracted to the feminine in people, the more feminine you are, the more aroused by and attracted you are to the masculine in people. Does that sound right? Sure. I mean, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm saying this is a ballpark. There are going to be exceptions to everything, but I'm speaking in the greater sense, okay? Mm -hmm. Most, most yeah. common. So let's presume I'm going to use men and women in their cis-normative constructions. A man will generally be presumed to be more masculine, a woman will generally be presumed to be more feminine for the purposes of this, okay? Not gonna conflate or confuse gender with sex for the purposes of this. I'm going to say instead, a fundamentally more feminine person will be aroused by a more masculine person's willingness to lead, interest in making decisions. They will be looking towards the more masculine person to take responsibility 
and lead them on adventures they would enjoy. Does that sound right? And ideally, they, they, and ideally, they will not want to have to tell the more masculine partner what those adventures would be. So I often say I did. I was on a podcast, another one where I brought, I kind of brought that concept up and the girl was like, well, I know what I want. And I'm like, sure. You know, you obviously know what you want, but it's nice to be led down a journey from the, from the guy that who knows you and you know, whatever. So well, of course, that's, that's the thing. Overwhelmingly women who do know what they want are beaten up by a society if they express what they want. Okay. Society. And I'm going to give you the, the uh, rundown of the most primal aspect of seductive reasoning, if you'll sit through this. I know you've, seen, you've heard this before. I'm going to make this super tight, okay? Mm -hmm. In our society at large, not us as individuals, but in the society at large, okay? Overwhelmingly, men and women are raised to understand that there are two kinds of women in the world, okay? There's, this has to do with their interest in being sexual, okay? We have two kinds of women in the world. We have the kind of woman who has sex purely because she wishes to with whomever she likes for whatever reason or no reason, without any sense of necessity for commitment, without any sense of the other person's having any responsibility to her for having sex with her. This is a woman who chooses with whom and why to go to bed with anyone, okay? A woman who does what she chooses for her own reason, who goes to bed with whomever amuses her for whatever reason, we have a uniform ugly word for overwhelmingly. We describe a girl who goes to bed with someone just because she wishes to and gets nothing out of the arrangement. We say she is giving herself away for nothing and we condemn her as having no self-respect. Okay. I'm not saying this is uniform or universal. I'm also not saying it's nearly as conspicuous now as it was 20 years ago even. But generally speaking, a girl who does what she wants for her own reasons, we condemn socially. We have a nasty four-letter word for her. What is that four-letter word that's usually used for a woman who does what she wants for her own reasons? A uh, slut. Hero. <laughs> I like your word a lot better. Hero's I use the word star. Okay. Hey. But, but most women, <laughs> if I ask, what do you figure is the likelihood a woman is going to describe a girl who does what she wants for her own reasons, has sex with whoever she wants, whenever she wants, with no commitment? What do you think the likelihood is women are going to say that that girl's a slut? Nowadays, not so much, but back in the day, yes, back okay. in the day. So it's less significant this year than it was 20 years ago. Correct. When I de-alerted in this world. But even the fact that it was true 20 years ago is kind of staggering. Mm -hmm. So now if a girl who does what she chooses for her own reasons is called a slut, then we know there are two types of women. There's the kind of woman who has no self-respect because she gives herself away for nothing. There's also the woman who has plenty of self-respect. She would never give herself away for nothing. She always charges for it. And what do we call a girl who charges for it? A businesswoman, entrepreneur. No? Or <laughs> a woman who charges for, <laughs> charges for her sexual time. A girl who charges for her sexual enthusiasm and interest. What's a nice, what's a nice common word for that? Smart. Whore. <laughs> a 
All right. But, or, I don't know. So they're hero or smart. So, so Jamie's roles are a hero or smart. Either way, yeah. they win. Anyway, I get that. So, Jamie, I want you to answer this because this is significant. Generally speaking, if we say in society at large, I'm not talking about you and me because clearly we don't think that way. Mm-hmm. But society at large, mommy warns her daughters, never give yourself away for nothing. She says, never let people imagine they can use you. Because if they think they can use you, they will. Okay. Did you have that talk, Jamie? Like, did mom sit you down and be like, like, you should got to value your sex and don't I give it up? I think society pretty much pounded that one into me. But I, from a young age, I mean, I was the girl that was called a slut when I was in high school. But I always, that couldn't be I think I was, I was wise beyond my years because I've always, I've literally not changed. I feel like all these women nowadays are going through this like series of unlearning to get to this point where they're like, no, I can't express myself. Where I've actually, my only time tooting my horn, I've actually had that from the beginning. I knew that everyone was wrong. I was like, listen, I'm going through puberty. I would like to have sex. I, you know, this is something that I am generally interested in and I do not associate my value with my virginity. I think that's a really weird concept to begin with. Um, and I've, yeah, right. Like I've, I've just kind of always thought like that. So I'm glad to see society finally catching up, but what you're saying is very smart. No, but what they do call women who pay are prostitutes. But it's funny that you say that because I thought you were going to go another route where, where, where women are to one of two roles in a man's life and it's either the nurturer or the slut. Like that's always like kind of the only two, I mean, that's why men are like, I respect women. I have a mother, I have a daughter. And it's like, that's a weird, like everyone's got a mother. Like that's a weird way of, of but that's the only way that they can respect. They only respect women that they can fuck or women that they're related to. Like a question I love to ask men. The porn industry is working very hard to change that. Yes. So now you're fucking people you're related to. Right. <laughs> so anyway, leaving that aside, you're a hundred on the money. Clearly you were an early adopter. You surfed on the second wave of the sexual revolution okay as a sexual revolutionary uh rather than the majority of people who were actually uh, sexual rebellion participants and a rebellion is different from a revolution and the rebellion fails okay mm-hmm. <laughs> the difference in revolutionary and a rebellion uh, and a rebel is the rebel the rebel failed yeah. the rebellion didn't succeed we had a very close to they won star wars Huh? The rebels won in Star Wars. They got one well, win there. Then, if they actually won in Star Wars, there wouldn't have been a another set of movies down the line where the First Order or whatever. There shouldn't have been. There shouldn't have. Been. The Disney oh, fucked that up too. Disney ruined a lot of shit. Anyway, so so all Disney, I think that's a story. That's a message. Disney just ruined everything. Disney ruins everything. <laughs> ruined sex. Sorry, ruined Star yeah. Wars. They also ruined uh, New York Forty uh, Second Street. The scary, fun part of that. Because Disney owns ABC and they therefore own everything. New York City, it was fun. They changed it all from having a gritty urban underbelly into having all sorts of ABC and 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 uh, uh, Disney stuff all around and stop being fun. Anyhow, leaving that aside, because I'm not here to condemn Disney or any of that. What I was trying to say and where this comes together is overwhelmingly in our society women are divided into two roles. Either they are sluts who have no self-respect because they give themselves away for nothing. Their fathers say to them, 
Don't hook up with that guy. He just wants to get into your pants. Hook up with this guy. He's got a good job and a career and education. He's going places. He'll provide an excellent life for you and your children. Because don't forget, honey, I raised you to be a whore and not a slut. Meanwhile, mommy says... So, wait, so Jamie, I, I see the confusion. So basically what he's no, equating no, to is... I'm delighted. Okay. Let, me, let, me, let me play with this because this is it. all well within what I expect. Okay? Our society says, if you have sex for your own pleasure, for your own excitement, for your own satisfaction, but you don't get someone to take responsibility for you, contract you and put a ring on your finger and give you their name, then clearly you must have no self-respect. Okay? And therefore you should be punished. Meanwhile, mommy says, but she doesn't say it in as many words, don't forget, honey, if you give away the cow, sorry, if you give away the milk, no one will buy the cow. Okay? The idea being, I raised you to be a whore, not a slut. But she never says those words. It's underspoken. Society pounds this into you as a young woman growing up and into men. Meanwhile, daddy says to his sons, you don't want to hook up with a slut, son. You can never trust him. In fact, the only reason I know that you're my child is because your mom wasn't into sex. She didn't have sex with anybody unless they were prepared to really impress the hell out of her. Boy, we had to go out on five dates before she went to bed with me the first time. You know, and we barely ever had sex after that. But once you were born, the rule base is very straightforward. In our society, we have this idea. Women are given a structure in which on the one hand, they're sluts, on the other, they're whores. This is a wonderful trick we play on women. We don't mean to, but we do. We say either you're selling your sexuality or you're giving it away. If you give away your sexuality, you, make, it becomes, you become the worst sort of person, okay? If you sell your sexuality, well, that's pretty terrible too, but at least you're not as bad as one who gives it away. What you really want to be is a high power, high class whore, one who vends her sexuality exclusively to a single long-term contract client, someone who guarantees that in exchange for access to your sex, he's going to provide you with a lifetime of economic support for yourself and your family. Okay? He's going to provide for you and your children. We have a nasty four-letter word for that high-status contract whore as well. Anyone familiar with the four-letter word used to describe such form? Life. Yeah, isn't that a nasty, awful thing? We have this idea that a woman redeems herself by having a single client, okay? And so this awful model has been propagated for generations and generations where somehow the idea of contracting yourself to a single client makes you more valuable, whereas in reality, humans aren't anywhere near as simple-minded or singular as that. A woman is treated badly for things she would like to do and will do, where a man is rewarded for exactly the same thing. There's no man on earth who would accept the notion that if he does what he likes, chooses with whom to have sex, and freely enjoys his life, that he doesn't have self-respect. In fact, any man would say, no, 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 no. I am unmarried, enjoying having sex with people who have sex with me for fun, because I have self-respect. Whereas, right, whereas a woman who does the same gets condemned for it because of this faulty idea that a woman who does what she wishes for her own reasons is someone who's supposed to be disrespected. Okay? So now that we've identified the problem, how do we fix it? So here's the answer, twofold. 
One, men have to understand that problem exists. In other words, it's a case of the mice all getting together to bell the cat. If all the mice recognize, oh, the farmer has put a bell around the neck of the cat, so now we can hear when the cat is sneaking up and we can run away and protect ourselves. That would be wonderful. But if the farmer doesn't put the bell on the cat, all the mice get together and say, we'd all survive much better if the cat had a bell around his neck. Does everyone agree? Yes, we all agree that the cat needs to have a bell around his neck. Well, who's going to put the bell around the neck? Right? The mice themselves are not in a position to. So it needs to happen because the mice will always vote to bell the cat. But I is fear, but I fear yeah. what, what the, the, because men often have this type of mindset, they right. almost, to facilitate this mindset, they need um, like that's that low, they need women at a lower status in order for them to feel higher at that status. Right. So, so making them equal that, is yeah. gonna be a hard sell because you're literally having to convince them, hey, listen, you're on the same plane. And okay. in their mind, that means they have to go lower. Right, so here's, here's the trouble domain, okay? And this is going to be scary, and I'm sure you're going to agree with me, Jamie, and I know for sure you're going to agree with me, Jared, but I'm going to say it anyway. Remember a few minutes ago? A few minutes ago, I said I was going to give away the special sauce. Okay? Yes. So here's the special sauce. Every man in the world who has a partner whom they wish to be with, who imagines, uh, who considers themselves to be in love, every woman who's in love with a man, every man who's in love with a woman, in every relationship like this, the man can be seen to have four characteristics from the perspective of the woman. And but at the same time, three of those four characteristics must be seen by every woman in order for that man to be arousing. Okay? So the first thing I'm going to say, and this is really important, a man does not have to be attractive looking. I was never attractive looking by traditional sense until The Sopranos came out. And then because James Gandolfini and I were almost dead ringers for one another without the beard, I look so much like Tony Soprano, I get stopped by people asking for his autograph despite the fact he's been dead for 10 years. Yep. Um, I took on the name Johnny Soprano while I was working in the porno industry because everyone in the business immediately saw me as Tony Soprano. <laughs> Uh, so the, the funny bit, the, the, four, I mean, the four things, okay, four, four things, mm -hmm. every woman is seeking, every feminine person, let me just say woman, every feminine person, every woman is seeking a affirmative, positive, masculine counterpart who loves and respects himself. Okay. Number one, he must love and respect himself. He must own his shit, recognizing he's made mistakes and being okay with that because he's not going to make those mistakes again. Okay? He owns his shit because he recognizes the things he's done that didn't work, learned from those experiences, and is now building on himself, not making those mistakes. He no longer uh, bends for women. He holds his line. He, he, he holds his boundaries firmly. He no longer sacrifices himself to make women like him because of course no woman can become aroused by a man she doesn't respect okay sure and no woman will have satisfying sex with a man she's not aroused by okay 
Does that sound right to you, Jane? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, am, I, am I saying something that's inaccurate? No. So first thing, a man must love and respect himself, knowing who he is, how he got there, and being satisfied with it. Okay? A self-satisfied man. Second thing, he must love and appreciate women. He has to adore them, enjoy them, find them amazing and wondrous, not because they're like men, but because they're not like men. He has to accept and appreciate women for who they are and how they are and not expect them to be men. Because, hey, if you want to be having sex with someone who, who is a man, just have sex with men. <laughs> okay? Women and men are decidedly different in a number of ways. And this is organic, natural, and helpful, even though as they present themselves to the world, they may do exactly the same things. As a general rule, a more masculine person will find himself aroused by a more feminine person, and a more feminine person will find herself aroused by a more masculine person. Okay. Um, to, to make that more clear, any man who holds anger with women because he felt betrayed by women, he's been screwed over by girls, they've fucked him around or jerked him around or not appreciated him or whatever, is never going to be well received by women because women do not find a man who's got that petty and attitude to be arousing. A man who has contempt for women is never going to be attractive to women. Okay. Does that sound right to you, Jamie? Yeah, some of it. I, I do have some. I'm more than happy to discuss it. <laughs> we we are the... running out of time, though, yeah, so I do want to. I, okay, so maybe okay. we'll save it for the next one. But what are the sure. uh, the final two here? Okay, the third one is the man must be comfortable enough and confident enough with himself to be able to make decisions as to what to do and when, and to lead ideally on things that he will enjoy and he knows other people will gladly follow him on. So leading is very important. Okay. So every man who is arousing to women, forget attractive, attractive comes afterwards. Okay. Men stupidly imagine if I were hot like Jamie, I could get laid on the streetcar. Okay. Because they imagine for you, Jamie, all you need is what men need in order to want to engage in sex. What men need in order to become sufficiently aroused, be good to go and ready, they need a magical, mystical combination, an almost impossible to imagine combination. They need to meet someone who is simultaneously hot enough and appears willing. For men, hot enough and willing is all that's required for most men. That's so sad. Okay. Now, for women, what's required is not that they be hot enough and willing, but men project onto women that combination. So men imagine... If I were hot like Jamie, I could be anywhere and just announce, hey, I'll have sex with anyone who wants. And they would be swarmed by people because everyone would be willing. Well, that's certainly true, but men could do that. Only the people who would respond would mostly be other men. And they go, no, 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 I don't want other men. I want hot women. Ah, okay. Well, by the same token, a woman can go onto a subway and say, I'll have sex with anyone who wants. And there'll be all sorts of people who want to because they're willing. But we say, oh, no, well, the girl doesn't want them. She wants someone she's aroused by. And being attracted to someone is not enough for them to be arousing for women. Women actually require not just hot enough and willing. They require someone who's 
smart and cool with themselves, who likes themselves, who has a sense of humor, is effective, conscientious, thoughtful, sensitive, uh, dominant, but not necessarily domineering. Okay? They want someone who's able to make decisions. They want someone who represents those first three things. Someone who loves and respects himself, loves and appreciates women, and knows who he is, what he wants, and is comfortable enough and confident enough to lead. Okay? The fourth thing is the magic bullet. That is, every person who's in a long-term relationship with anyone else who may believe they're in love with, sees that other person, every male, every female sees that, their partner as being someone who loves and respects himself, okay? who loves and appreciates women, who can and does make decisions and lead, okay? And most of all, they're interested in her as an individual person. They care about who she is, what she's about, what she likes, what she's interested in, what she dislikes. They actually are interested in her as an individual. Every girl who's in love with a man sees him as demonstrating all four of these. Okay. And every woman who's in love with a man says about that man, he's the sort of guy who could have any woman he wants. Now, three of those are absolutely necessary in order for a man to be arousing. Love himself, respect himself, right? Love and appreciate women and be comfortable enough and confident enough to make decisions and lead. Those three make a man arousing. So now let's talk for a second. The fourth one, being interested in her as a person, is the one that makes for a smitten relationship as opposed to just the guy's arousing. Because a guy who's arousing becomes attractive to women. She might not want to date him. He might want to sleep with him, but might not want to actually date him if he's not taking an interest in her. So those are those are four pillars. We do have to unfortunately we do have to wrap it up though. For I and I, I, I want to leave the viewers with this though. Uh, what is the best way to contact you? Find more about you? You you dropped a bunch of websites before, but if they want to actually reach really out simple. and learn more, yeah. I, I am active on all social media. Most of my clients find me through social media. I do an awful lot of online coaching. I also freely answer pretty much every question that anyone writes to me in any media. Love it. I am Johnny Soporno. Johnny so porno, but really it's a reframing of, of Johnny Soprano. Okay. Johnny so porno. Um, I am on all, I have six or seven accounts on Facebook. They're all at about 5,000 people. Um, uh, and so most people don't even see the other ones because I, if I had them on multiple accounts, I wouldn't be able to have them. So, they they um, can type it in like Facebook or Instagram and find Johnny Soporno.com okay. will take me. If you type into Google, Johnny Soporno, you'll find 5,000 pages, all of which lead to me. I am the only one in the world, except for the Soporno's uh, videos, which we produced. I am the only Soporno in the world. It's a name that never existed before. So look for- Super easy, Johnny Soporno. Johnny Soporno, you can find me at johnnysoporno.com. You can find me at successfulness.com. You can find me at successfulnessinstitute.com. A bunch of the people that I've mentored over the years have gone into business sharing the same sorts of insights that I share and, and many of the ones that you share um, independently. And they're all under the successfulness banner, although we don't charge anyone to use the banner, although we do have the, the national and international trademarks on it because I don't want it getting watered down. As long as what they're sharing is consistent and it starts with the notion, if you want to be arousing to other people, you must own your shit. 
You must actually be the person you present yourself as being and be comfortable with that. Love it. So there you guys have it. Own your shit by Johnny Soporno. Those four pillars are money. Every single guy should live up to those things. Johnny, thank you so much for being here. We didn't even scratch the surface on the stuff that we could go into and talk about. So we'll have to have you on again at some point. I'd love it. I'd be delighted. And in fact, if you have a few minutes after the streaming to just chat about this, because I don't want to leave you with too many open loops and, and not be able to close them off with you, then I'd love to be able to keep going. But uh, it's been an absolute blast. I look forward to being invited back. In fact, that's the thing I tell every girl when I meet up with her. I say, look, if we're going to be going to bed, I'm delighted, but I really want to make sure that I'm invited back. Not a one night stand, a 10 night stand. 10 night stand, there you go. Well, a, first, All right. a, first, a first night stand anyway. <laughs> All right, thank okay. you so much. Bye everyone, thank you.